I was succeeding at the sport that was just considered a trend. And it was almost like you're a, like you're a pro yo-yo player. No one, no one's giving you any credit for it. You're not making any money for it, and there's no future in it. Well, Tony Hawk, skateboard legend, may have thought he was just a professional yo-yo player, but well, he was. I mean, he is much, much more. We bounce in this conversation to remembering the first moment someone asked for his autograph and what it felt like. He was 12, by the way. To how he's inspired by Seth Rogen on his interaction with his fans and how he uses Insta and Twitter different based on audience and engagement. His Tony Hawk Foundation has done wonders for the skate community, especially those in underserved areas. Make sure to check it out online. And it's going to feel real special for him when skateboarding debuts in the Tokyo Summer Olympics next summer. He gets a lot of credit for that. At what age did you sign your first autograph? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. I think about 12, maybe. Do you remember, I mean, like, not that you can remember the first one, but the feeling of you were at some Yeah, I think I do there. remember it because oh. we were doing this, um, I used to do these really small exhibitions. <clears throat> well, to me, they felt huge, but, um, but there was this, uh, this woman, Gail Webb, she had her own ramp and sort of turnkey, you know, demo thing. And then she would just invite young skaters to, to do them. And, and I was sort of this up and coming amateur. So she invited me to do one. Um, we weren't getting paid or anything, but, um, but we rode the half pipe and then afterwards there were all these little girls kind of mingling, <clears throat> you know, probably my age and they were just getting autographs from everyone. They didn't know who anyone was. Um, but I was, thought it was cool. <laughs> I remember signing it and I remember them trying to read my signature and thinking, wow, if I ever really start signing stuff, I should make it more readable. It's funny. I, I'm going to get back to, they don't know who you are because that's your, that's your ongoing thing on Twitter when you're talking about people coming up to you and they kind of know you, but they, Oh they, yeah. They, but they, I mean, they, well, even if I said I was Tony Hawk, they wouldn't do that with anyway. So. <laughs> All right. So, so you're, you're 12, you're signing a few autographs for these girls, same age. And then at what point it might've been later that year when you started to really start signing some autographs and you thought, Oh, this is a little bit different. I, I'm, you know, I've got people coming to watch me. Uh, I don't think that happened so suddenly. Mm. Skating was really a small industry then. It wasn't hugely popular. So um, to think that just because I was succeeding at skateboarding, it, that I was somehow, I, was, I, I had a lot of fans. Um, there were very few fans of skateboarding. And so... I think it was more probably the following year into age 13 and 14 when we actually started traveling to events. Um, they had a big skate contest in Jacksonville once a year back then. And that's when I started to sort of notice that, oh, these people are, are interested in what I do and actually know like they, they have a sense of my signature moves and, and appreciate the way I skate. That was the first time I really felt that. It was, was when I traveled outside of our comfort zone of Southern California. And, and you're obviously a kid, 13, 14, and that's happening. Do you think you're, you're thinking, oh, I have fans, or this is cool, there's a generation like me that love the sport, and, and they're just riders too? <laughs> 
I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. It, it was probably the idea that there there is interest in skateboarding and, and what I do. It just felt, it all felt so so much like a novelty because I was really young. Skating wasn't taken seriously in the, in the public uh, collective. And so I was succeeding at the sport that was just considered a trend. And it was almost like you're a, like you're a pro yo-yo player. No one, no one's giving you any credit for it. You're not making any money for it. And there's no future in it. That, that was pretty much the, the vibe of skating. So to connect with other people who appreciated it was really exciting. Um, and then to have any kind of validation to me was amazing um, because for the most part, I was still a pretty scrawny kid. My style was largely made fun of because they said that I was like, I didn't have any strength. So I ollied into my aerials and, and I was cheating somehow doing that, which ended up becoming the only way to really do aerials. But um, at the time it seemed too, it just seemed too strange. And so it was weird to be in this very niche sport, you know, already separated from my peers, like my classmates and stuff. Cause I chose to do this thing that was very different. And then I was, I was an outcast in that outcast sport because of the way I did it. So it was very isolating at the time. And I think that I, I, in, I had the benefit of, of innocence and being naive and, and just wanting to do it. Cause I didn't really care. I didn't think I was choosing a future. You know, maybe if I was a little older at the time, I would have got discouraged because I, I needed to have a career or, or to look to a future, but I was only 13. So I was just like, Oh, this is fun. And I enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. And then, th th then that first time when you weren't just signing your name to a fan, but the first brand that said, hey, Tony, come over here. I'd like you to be a brand ambassador, an endorser, because we're going to use you to help us and whatever company it is to reach their fans. Who was that first company? Uh, that was Dogtown. Okay. Um, and ironically, that was as Dogtown was going out of business, <laughs> which I didn't really know either. Like I said, I was pretty naive, so I just thought, like, oh, that's awesome. I get... I get free skateboards. That's really what it was to me right. that, that they were going to give me free skateboards and that I was connected to a legendary team. I mean, Dogtown, obviously people know the, the folklore and, and the, um, the influence they had, but while I was young, the, the team was pretty, um, was, was established and there was a new crew, uh, guys like Mike Smith were coming in and um, I was just excited to be connected with that crew. Uh, in fact, Christopher Soy was on Dogtown around that same time too. Mm. Um, and so that was for me. It was just like, oh, they 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 recognize my abilities, and I get free skateboards. I wasn't even, I, I didn't even have the notion that they're going to use me to promote them. Like that just seemed so absurd. <laughs> and what's interesting, I think about skating or snowboarding or I guess what was called 25 years ago action sports or uh, extreme sports would probably be the first iteration of those names is that there's always the conversation about oh everyone has to be authentic and authenticity and if and if you're not you're not going to be relevant it, it's interesting to me why it matters so much more in a lifestyle sport than it does in other professional sports do you ever feel that as a difference or it's just kind of... Um, 
I think it was just because it wasn't established. You know, it, it, the the idea that that you could even make a living or do any sort of non-endemic endorsement didn't seem like a uh, an option. So people held on to skateboarding. You know, they coveted it as something that was sacred. And I, and I believe that that's true because they liked that it set them apart because it, because it was different. But I also believe that no one had the option to make a living at it. Mm. No one had the option to do big endorsements. So no one was really thinking about it in those terms. And then when those things started to come into play, there was a backlash from the, the more hardcore sense, but it didn't last very long. Mm. And it wasn't that, it, it, it wasn't that, um, destructive hmm. to the person doing the endorsements. That's interesting. So maybe it's almost a perceived to the marketplace based on an article and a quote versus it actually being real. Sure. And, and yeah, if you, if you go down the line, I mean, the, the, the critics are loud. <laughs> and if, if fast forward to nowadays, for instance, skateboarding will be in the Olympics next year. There's all kinds of noise and, and naysayers and, you know, people that are calling sellout and I think what what people don't realize, or the, the 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 more vocal critics don't realize, is that we've had competition for the last forty years, if not more. This <laughs> nothing's going to really change in the skateboarding world, or or the way that com- competitions are held. It's just going to be in front of a bigger audience. So I don't agree with that. I don't think that that somehow diminishes skateboarding's core, or or the reason that people choose to skate. And and obviously not just skating with Tony Hawk Inc. You've been in business for decades across a number of different products and initiatives. Curious what you've learned about your fans through the years, and if there's differences between the ones that are playing your video games and coming to events versus the ones that are buying products for their kids. Just the the change of fans over the years. Well, I think that. It's not a change of fans. I think that the whole, um, the, the, the big change in skateboarding is that through the success of, say, X Games and then around just after that, our uh, video game series, is that it created a fan base for skateboarding. So before that, the only people who truly loved skateboarding were the ones that were doing it themselves. Mm. And once skateboarding became something that, that people were willing to watch on TV or to emulate in video games, then it became that there was a fan base of people that enjoyed the culture, that enjoyed the action, but maybe didn't actually skate themselves. And that was the tipping point for skating's popularity in terms of being here to stay. That's what I believe. Hmm. And how about yourself as a personal fan uh, outside of skateboarding? What, what athlete or entertainer do you appreciate what they do call it on the field or on stage and also one that you admire how they just interact with their audience and um, live their life uh in terms of skaters no non-skaters could be a musician could be a professional baseball player just i mean almost like a i don't call mentor but somebody that you've always looked to like i'm a fan of them for how they live or how they compete or perform um just everyone's everyone's a fan of somebody at some point type of question right um and maybe not. yeah that's a tricky one i yeah, it's interesting 
I take inspiration from from different athletes and and celebrities and things just based on their direction and and how they and definitely how they interact. Um, if I had to bring up an example, that would that's uh, that's really hard. I the, the, most recently I got to spend some time with Seth Rogen and the way that he makes himself available to fans is really admirable because he can't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and there's sort of this, it's, it's very nuanced, but there's a subtle way of giving enough time to fans that you did, you do make a connection with them, but you also keep your own time. Um, you advocate for your own time. I, I don't know how to, No, I get it's, that. it's like I said, it's sort of this, What's that? I get it. And I, and I, I think this, the word you used is really clever there, inspiration. It's not necessarily who you're a fan of, but wh- where, you're, where you're getting some inspiration, that word inspiration, I think. Sure, and, and I feel like I've learned to do that through the years, but to watch him do it and watch him do it so seamlessly and genuinely, it's like, okay, you could get to that level and still be um, connected to your fans, but also have your own life and have your own time. Yeah. Um, and and on another end of that, um, and and you know, there's, sure, there's plenty of controversy. But uh, when I met Lance Armstrong, is when he had just started the Live Strong Foundation, and I saw how he impacted charity and cancer research, and I and I thought like that is incredible. If I could do a fraction of that, um, I would feel like I accomplished something in terms of doing good. And and that is really why. I, not why, but, but one of my inspirations for doing the Tony Hawk Foundation. Yeah, which is given... You know, uh, and, and you know, you can say what you want about his sporting life, but, but he truly was the face and a major influence in cancer research and in cancer treatment. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if I have the numbers that are up to date, but $10 million-ish and 600-plus parks and 6 million visitors skating, that's quite an impact for your foundation, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and um, I'm super proud of that. I mean, I, you know, I feel like we've we've definitely helped to usher in uh, a, a a whole wave of skate parks, especially in the U.S. and and we are able to guide cities and communities into doing it the right way or or advocating for it properly. And um, and I feel like I think our 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 resources are far more valuable than just the funding we give. Mm. Mm. And, and I mentioned earlier the, the airport or, or who knows you because you, 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 you tweet about it quite a bit and it's always quite comical about coming up to somebody and who are you. But tw- is Twitter your, is that your place? Are you on all the, the TikToks and Snap and Insta and Facebook and YouTube, or I imagine you've got you've got a video need, of course, from from skateboarding. But is Twitter your place? Uh, no, I think my really the 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 place where I get the bulk of my um, engagement is is Instagram um, and sometimes Facebook. I kind of I, I I feel like they're there are subtle differences in the audiences for each of those, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not on TikTok just because that um, it, it seems like a much younger uh, venue mm-hmm. in terms of the creators. And 
And so, oh, I mean, I, 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 I was a little bit. I'm not going to say I'm not on it, but I, I have been a little bit. I dabbled. Yeah. Um, but, but I feel like with, with the tools and with the engagement, um, I'm better at getting uh, an audience on Instagram. Twitter is more for a text sort of sharing. Yep. And so that's where, I mean, people have... You know, there's this whole sort of uh, meme or vibe about me not getting recognized. And and that was just something that I realized was happening to me so regularly. And there were such funny interactions that I started sharing. It wasn't like I was trying to create some, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some uh, episodic show around my life. <laughs> and a lot of people think that somehow I make it up. And, and far from beat, like, there are plenty of times when... I'm out and about and I get recognized and it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very cordial interaction where like, Hey, you tell me like, yeah, cool. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Getting a picture. Sure. That's it. Those interactions are not as very entertaining to share. So I don't share them. And that, I think that's the misconception is that somehow I'm either complaining or that I only, you know, that, that I never, ever get recognized. That is not the truth. The truth is these are the ones that I think were entertaining and that I think I should share with you. Yeah, well, keep sharing them because they are entertaining for sure. What is it about Instagram uh, you think that's the most engaging for the audience? Just the, the visual of it or just maybe your audience there is a little bit different than the people that are following on Facebook and Twitter? Uh, wait, say that again. I'm sorry. Well, you were just talking about how you felt that Insta or Instagram has fit you the best maybe with better engagement or you use it more in that way. I'm just curious if you've a different type of audience or just the way Instagram looks and scrolls and the visual of it. And, and that's Oh no, it's just, it, it's kind of, it, there's just subtle differences in the audience. Mm. If I were to put a video up that I think is really compelling for whatever reason, skating or, or otherwise, it's going to get better engagement and reactions on Instagram than on Twitter. Mm. This is what I've found. So on Twitter, or oh, depending on the length, like that, there are like there are these subtle differences. So um, that's what can I say? <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different, and, and I've learned to tune my my posts and what I share, it, tailor them to those different networks. And, and I don't know if you do it anymore, but certainly for quite some time, you had these scavenger hunts all over the country where you were hiding boards or you were hiding video games and putting out some teases and letting people find them. I, you still do it. Why do you do it? What, I mean, it's an awesome engagement with your audience and fans. Well, so that's how I basically got on the radar of Twitter. This is before Instagram um, was by doing that. And uh, it was just more that I saw how fast information was traveling on Twitter as, as it was just coming into its own. And, and as a test, I, I just hit a skateboard that I had in my car, like literally on my way to my ramp. And I just stopped on the side of the road, tossed it behind this fire hydrant, and said, hey, I left a skateboard here, go find it. And then by the time I got to my office 10 minutes later, there was just this frenzy of activity. And someone had already found it, and people were still pulling up to that area. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really something cool. And so that's when I started doing the, the Twitter hunt idea. 
we we were doing it once a year, but it started to get a little bit too overwhelming and redundant. And so I don't do it in that context anymore where it's just one day and hiding boxes all over the world because it was hard to trust people for one mm -hmm. to send them a bunch of valuable gear and for them to hide it. <laughs> um, because a lot of times it was just friends of friends and, and I was asking for a lot of, um, product from companies and I couldn't promise them a whole lot in return, except that, you know, maybe we'll give them a shout out. And, and that got to be tricky because I felt obligated to these other companies who were just basically giving me, you know, gift certificates or candy or whatnot. Um, so now I just do it once in a while and it's usually from my personal skateboard and that gets a lot of traction, but I don't have any sort of schedule. Yeah, and you mentioned, and I mentioned country, and you said the world, so yeah, I was short-sighted in that comment. Where, over the past decades in all your travels, have you just, the fan base has been as unexpected rabid, I guess, or uh, surprising in terms of the, the sheer number of fans and audience, but also just the pure excitement? Uh, in terms of, uh, the social media? No, no, no. Just when, when you're traveling, when you're traveling around the world oh. and, and yeah, from a city or a country, just a fandom outside the United States that you are always pleasantly surprised or impressed with the number of fans and the excitement of fans. I, I'm always surprised. Yeah. Um, and the, the most surprising thing to me is that these days it's more than ever. And, I mean, by all accounts, I, I should be in the twilight of my skate career. <laughs> and the idea that I'm more recognized than ever is super strange to me. Um, and I'm talking about like people of all ages, all walks of life. It used to just be, you know, a certain age group and more skate oriented. And now it's like all over and people, I mean, the, the number one thing now is, is that people will like to joke and be like, Hey man, you look like Tony Hawk or, do a kickflip, and it's just like these these little viral things that go out, and I I can't believe the reach they have. So, I I'm surprised by it, but I'm super thankful, like that that they still think I'm relevant or that I'm interesting at all. Yeah, and and how about I imagine the big smile on your face when you're now watching your kids perform at a high level and seeing them with their own fan bases and the interaction that they have with the audience. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, my, my oldest son uh, has his own following and, and has his own career going, and, and uh, it's, I'm really proud of the way he handles it. You know, I, I hope that he took the inspiration or examples from me as, as he grew up seeing, you know, seeing me deal with it, but I do feel like he, he has found his own path and his own voice, and, and he really is, he really connects with his fans. Yeah, and and crystal ball here in closing for me, skateboarding in the Olympics, what an unbelievable accomplishment that is, and just where the sport is in five years, and, and what you're doing in five years around Tony Hawk Foundation and Tony Hawk Inc. Um, well, I think the Olympics are an exciting opportunity for skateboarding to get seen by a bigger audience. Um, I, uh, I think that, that it will be one of the highlights of the Summer Games, because you saw what happened with snowboarding. Snowboarding was sort of this this test run in the early days in the winter games, and it was treated as a joke, and then suddenly they realized, wait, the kids actually like snowboarding and are more into this, so now it's one of the highlights of the winter games. I'm thankful that, that skateboarding will not have to go through that 
that painful growth because it's already going to be recognized as, as one of the, the new exciting sports. So, um, and it will, it will allow a, an international growth uh, that like we've never seen where countries will start, suddenly start to support skateboarding and maybe build new skate parks and have a team. So I, I think that's amazing. Uh, um, uh, th- that's going to be an amazing opportunity for, for skating in general. Um, what will I be doing? I, uh, I don't know. I'll skate as long as I can. And if nothing else, try to, um, help younger riders, especially my team skaters to get uh, new opportunities in skateboarding to, to help their career and, um, raise my family and, and build more skate parks. And that's the bond. 